before I start my sermon, I did want to ask that you would all continue to be patient with uh, these little communion packets that we're using. I've heard reports that many of you have been the sad victim of soggy wafers, as if it wasn't already bad enough, I know. And I can't imagine having a a soggy wafer where there's a, a breach between the juice and the styrofoam. So we're, t- we're, we're thinking about other options and trying to figure this out. If you've got an idea, let us know. But thank you as you uh, continue to be patient. The last week of uh, January in 1973 was a very eventful week. Of course, on January 22nd, the now famous Roe v. Wade Supreme Court decision was handed down. Also on that day, President Lyndon B. Johnson died. And on January 27th, President Nixon signed a peace deal with Vietnam, essentially ending the Vietnam War. If you were to pick up a newspaper, specifically Newsweek magazine, just a couple weeks following January 22nd, you would have read an article that began this way. The end of a war and the death of a president got bigger headlines, but in a quiet way, a third event last week may have as lasting an influence on American life. May have. The article went on to explain, for all practical purposes, the U.S. Supreme Court legalized abortion, saying that the termination of an unwanted pregnancy is between a woman and her doctor. Well, it's been nearly 50 years since that Supreme Court decision. And since 1984, thanks mostly to Ronald Reagan, we have been setting aside January 22nd as Sanctity of Human Life Day. So in light of that, we're taking a break today from our series on 1 Corinthians. We have one more sermon to go in that book. But as you know, we're going to take a break and look at some other words that Paul wrote that I think are very applicable in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 16. And I have basically one question that I'd like to answer with this sermon that I think this text answers. And the question is, how should we live in a country that is so radically indifferent to and supportive of abortion. Here we are as Christians in a country that is indifferent to and supportive of abortion. So how then should we live as Christians? And there are, I've seen three answers that I hope will be helpful. Now, before I pray, I want you to to know that in preparing this sermon, I've tried my best to consider everybody that would be here today. 
people from all different stages or seasons of life. I know that some of you have had abortions. I know that some of you have been complicit in abortion. I know that some of you may be in need of conviction today. And I know that others are going to need to be comforted. I know that some of you are activists, and I hope that you will be encouraged. And sadly, I know that some of you feel rather indifferent to the issue. And I would hope that through God's word, you will be awakened to the reality that is a modern day horror. I also know we've got lots of kids here, and I'm so thankful we have lots of kids here. And though I'm going to speak frankly, I'm going to use discretion, and I'm going to speak carefully, but I'm so glad that we have our young people with us so that they would not be sheltered and worse, disengaged from this issue that we're all dealing with. So with all that said, we've got to pray. So would you bow your heads with me? Father in heaven, we need help understanding your word and your will. We know that our minds will be dark and our hearts will be cold without you. So will you help us with your Holy Spirit and give us As the Puritans would say, would you bring light and heat to our hearts? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please open your Bibles, if you haven't already, to Ephesians chapter 5. If you're using one of our church Bibles, you'll find today's text on page 919. Ephesians chapter 5. And let's begin with verses 1 and 2. Therefore, Paul writes, Be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love, as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Let me ask you a couple questions and look at these two verses with me. The first question would be, who is Paul talking to here? And the answer we find in verse 1, and it is, beloved children. Well, who are God's children? Who are God's children? That's often misunderstood. Is everyone a child of God? The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 12 and 13 says, But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. And so according to John chapter 1 and many other scriptures that we could go to, the children of God are those who have received Him. And who is Him? Jesus The children of God are those who have received Jesus and have believed in His name. And those who have received Jesus and believed in His name are those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. 
They are Christians. And as believers, they have been adopted by God into his family. And so they become his children. So a child of God is not something you just are. A child of God is something that you become. If you're a Christian, there was a day when you were just a child, and now you are his child. That's very different. In the same letter, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, Paul says, He predestined us for adoption. He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. Now, according to verse 1 then, what are we to do as children of God? We are to be, what does it say? Imitators of God. And then here is how we should imitate God, verse 2. And walk in love. As Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We must walk in love. And how should we love? As Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us. So that gives us, doesn't it, a first answer to our question. How should we live? In a country that is so radically supportive of abortion, we must walk in love. We must walk in love. And walk for Paul is a synonym for live. Walk in love. Walk this way. Live this way in love. And the example of love that Paul gives, is Christ dying that you and I may live. Think about this. Jesus the Christ died that you and I might live. That's the example that is set. We're to live in this way. So, voluntarily die to yourself that others may live. Die to yourself. Or Luke 9.23 says, deny yourself. That is the call to love. It means to give up your wants. It means to give up your desires for the good of others. Now that call, if you think about it, that call to voluntarily die, to deny myself, to love in that way, That call to voluntarily die so that others may live is the opposite of abortion. Where others are killed so that one may live the way one wants to live. Walk in love is how we ought to live. Now, Paul shifts gears in verse 3. We'll find another answer to our question in the following verses. He's going to speak 
negatively and then positively. And by negatively, I mean he's going to say, don't do this. And then he's going to speak positively, do this. So first it's negative, beginning in verse 3. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Which is a very strong warning. And now Paul makes it even stronger, verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the immorality, the impurity, the covetousness, the idolatry, because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. And now here's his negative instruction. Verse 7, therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Christian, you were in darkness, Paul is saying. And one day you came to the light and you became light. Now you are, Paul says, light in the Lord. And now here is Paul's positive instruction. And it is the second answer to our question. Avery and Flora, I love you both so much, but you cannot talk right now, okay? Thank you. Verses 8 through 10. Walk as children of light. Verse 9. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. So what's our question? How should we live in a country that is so supportive of abortion? We should walk in love. Paul's made that clear. And now we should walk as children of light. We should walk as children of light. And light, Paul says here, refers to all that is good and right and true. Light refers to all that is good and right and true. So do what is good and right and true. We know this. We know this as Christians. We're supposed to do the right thing. Paul's making it explicit here. Stand for what is good. Stand for what is right. Stand for what is true. Speak up for these things. We should walk as children of light who please the Lord by doing what is good and right and true. And not only that, here's something else light does. Look at verses 11 through 14. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful 
even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Apply this with me. We should walk as children of light. Verse 11, who expose the unfruitful works of darkness. And so Christians are called as light not only to take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. That's one thing. To avoid sin. To avoid these works of darkness. But Christians are also called here to expose these works of darkness. Light exposes dark. You know what that's like. You walk into a room and the light is off and it's dark and you can't see anything. And the light switch is flipped and you can see everything in the room. Or you're out in the woods at night. And you can't see anything and you turn on your flashlight and now you expose what was already there in the dark. This is what light does. In the light, things come to be seen for what they actually are. And abortion is one of the most obvious unfruitful works of darkness today. I'm so thankful for the many organizations and ministries that are devoted to exposing this work of darkness. Even just 10 years ago, it was nothing like it is today. There's so much more information that is accessible to anyone. You know that we live in a country as wonderful and great as this country is. We live in a country whose Supreme Court decreed on January 22, 1973 that the taking of an unborn human life is constitutionally protected up until the moment of birth. Then Justice Harry Blackman, who was writing for the majority of the court, said, we need not resolve the difficult question of when life begins, which is a very interesting thing to say because that question has been answered and that has been settled scientifically, that it begins at conception. At the time, that wasn't clear to him. He said, when those trained in the respective disciplines of medicine, philosophy, and theology are unable to arrive at any consensus. And of course, now they have arrived at a consensus. But he says, when they then were not able to do that, the judiciary at this point in the development of man's knowledge is not in a position to speculate. And so they went from, we do not know whether this is protectable human life to we will not protect it. Also at the time, Justice Rehnquist, who was writing for the dissenting opinion of the court, he wrote, 
The court apparently values the convenience of the pregnant mother more than the continued existence and development of the life or potential life which she carries. I can in no event join the court's judgment because I find no constitutional warrant for imposing such an order of priorities on the people and legislature of the states. Since that decision... Over 60 million abortions have been performed in America. Over 60 million, 2,363 each and every day. 2,363 every day. The state we live in, California, has some of the fewest restrictions on abortion legally legally possible at this point, no waiting period, no mandated counseling or parental notification or consent needed. Roughly one in four pregnancies in our state end in abortion. So what is that doing? What am I doing when I spend a couple minutes and I give you some of these numbers or statistics? Well, it a in a very short period of time and in a small way, I'm trying to expose the unfruitful works of darkness. Because this is what we're called to do. We are to be, Paul says, children of light. But remember, what was the first thing he said? We are also to walk in love. So while we expose these deeds of darkness and while we don't shy away from exposing the horror that is this sin, we also declare just as loudly the reality of forgiveness and the reality of hope to I'm sure even dozens of men and women in this church who have had or have approved of Abortion. You must remember what else Paul has said in this very letter, for example. In chapter 1, verse 7, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Through Jesus, we have forgiveness of our trespasses. Which ones? All of them. Are their sins so bad that they cannot be covered by the blood of Jesus? The answer to that question is no. Absolutely not. There is forgiveness. There is cleansing. There is all of our sins wiped away. There is justification. There is the declaration of righteousness over against every kind of sin that you have ever committed. And this, of course, is because Jesus came and he lived and suffered and died and rose from the dead in our place so that we could be forgiven, justified. We could be reconciled 
to God. On that note, if you have had an abortion, even if it was decades ago and you are in need of any kind of support, I would encourage you to reach out to a local organization called Sierra Pregnancy and Health. Many of you as members are familiar with this organization. Some of you volunteer there. But they offer a wide variety of reproductive grief care. So find them and talk to them if you need support. So finally, we've got two more verses that we're going to read together. And we have two answers to our question that we should walk in love and walk in light. And there's one more answer that Paul gives to how we should live. And it's in verses 15 and 16. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. And so Paul says we should also walk as wise, which answers so many questions. Wisdom does. Wisdom enables you to answer questions like, how do we love? How do I love this person? And how do I love in this situation? How do I need to be light? What does that practically look like here and now? Wisdom answers that question. When should I speak? Where should I speak? How should I speak? What should I say? Wisdom answers all of those questions. And so we need to have wisdom. So put together what Paul has said. How should we live in this day? How should we live considering the circumstances around us? And he's given three answers. Number one, we should walk in love. Number two, we should walk as children of light. Pleasing God by doing what is good and right and true and exposing unfruitful works of darkness. And number three, we should walk as wise. So in conclusion, here are a few practical ways that you can apply this sermon and there's so many more. I know there's so many things we could say. But here are just a few. I think I have four. This is how we might wisely walk in love as light. Number one, speak up. Number one, speak up. Become more vocal in your opposition to abortion and your promotion of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe first you need to educate yourself, which is totally understandable. 
So educate yourself. If you have a family, your children, and the people that you know about the history and the nature and the effects of abortion and the pro-life movement. I could start by pointing you to organizations like, as I mentioned before, Sierra Pregnancy and Health, excellent websites like Live Action or Life Training Institute. But speak up. Consider, again, using wisdom, how you might walk in love and walk as light and how God might use you as a tool and as an instrument. Children who are here with us, teenagers who are here with us. I know I've spoken to my kids about this. Consider how you might use the gifts and abilities and the talents that God has given you to help end abortion in this country. Some of you might be teachers, we need you, or attorneys, we need you. Leaders, public servants, we need you. And so think about how God would use you to be a part of this. So that's number one, speak up. Number two, serve or support pro-life ministries. And I've named a few of those. Serve or support these ministries, including some that are local, that are right here in our city and in our county. And they're here to serve mothers and fathers that have been faced with unwanted or unexpected pregnancies. So consider how you may serve and support them. If you haven't already, go and visit the Sacramento Memorial Garden next to New Hope Church over there on Greenback and Garfield next to the Century 16 movie theater. Hopefully you know where I'm talking about. There you'll find the Sacramento Memorial Garden. And it's a garden that has been devoted to honoring and memorializing the lives of aborted, miscarried, and stillborn children. It's a beautiful place. It's there to be a place where people can reflect and find hope, help, and healing. It's also a site for memorial services, and so... I'd encourage you to visit there. That's number two. Serve or support these places and organizations. Number three. Consider adoption or foster care. Consider adoption or foster care. Thankfully, abortion numbers have decreased. By the grace of God, first and foremost, over the last ten years, but also because of the increase of adoption and foster care. It is true that as adoption becomes a more normal part of family planning in this country, abortion decreases. And so we're very thankful for that. A woman may find herself in an unplanned pregnancy, but as adoption and foster care increases, she will 
know that this child fits perfectly into someone else's plan. Which is good news. Which is helpful. And number four, pray. And this is the most important thing that we do. This is the most important thing that we can do. We're dependent on the grace of God. We're dependent on the mercy of God. And so we should pray for the end of abortion. We should pray for those who have had abortions. We should pray for those who are faced today with an unplanned pregnancy. We should pray for our nation. We should pray for our leaders Local, state, federal. One of the most helpful psalms in thinking through this issue, and I've preached on it before, on Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, is Psalm 106. And in that psalm, God is hes very angry with His people. You remember, He's very angry with His people. They have turned from God. They have turned their back on God. And he describes the way that they have done this. And you remember the low point that they had reached. And that is that they were shedding innocent blood. And the innocent blood that they were shedding was their children. And at the end of Psalm 106 in verses 47 and 48, there is a prayer, and it is a prayer for salvation. And it is a good prayer for us to pray today as Americans. And it is this, save us, O Lord, our God, and gather us from among the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, and let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, it seems like uh, so little that we do on a Sunday like this in the face of such a terrible giant. But God, we know that you may and will use your word to, to change us and to stir our hearts and to awaken us and to move us into action. And so God, if, if we have not been and need to be convicted of sin, we ask that you would convict us of our sin. God, if we have been indifferent to this issue, we pray that you would snap us out of our indifference. Father, if there are ways that we can serve you for your glory and for the good of this nation, we ask that you would make that clear to us. God, would you save us from ourselves? Would you change the hearts of people? As 
your people work to expose the unfruitful works of darkness, God, I pray that the conscience of this country would be transformed, that it would be changed. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.